freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 281 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is the knife drawer versus the gun safe. Mm. And our guest is Sue Ritter. Sue is, a de is the de development director for Knife Rights, America's grassroots knife owners organization that is leading the fight to rewrite knife laws in America and forge a sharper future for all Americans. Knife Rights efforts have resulted in enacting three, 33 bills, repealing knife bans in 23 states and over 100 cities and towns, as well as numerous court victories. Sue has over 40 years of management experience as a development, operational, and marketing professional, including regulatory compliance, financial management, and strategic planning. Well, welcome wow. to the show, Miss Sue. Hey, Cheryl. Hi, Danny. How are Hi. you guys this morning? Oh, we're good. And I see that, good. Cheryl, you know, she's a sharper future for America. She also could say you're a cut above the rest. Oh, oh. That's wow. Great. The, the Danny, that's, are... I'll have to remember that uh, one. Sue, how, who would even have thought that we needed to have an organization for knife rights? Mm -hmm. I mean, a knife. Uh, well, I, you know, it, it's, it's not uncommon for people to say, well, I don't have any problems with my knives. I mean, yeah, why do you exist? Well, the fact is, you know, the NRA has been around for 150 years, getting rid of a lot of really bad laws that have been put on the books over the years. And, and much like the firearms laws that we have seen from state to state and nationally, the knife laws in our country have come from the Jim Crow laws, the Jim Crow area after the Civil War, trying to keep uh, what they feel are weapons and what we say are essential tools. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know, I grew up thinking that a knife was a tool, you know, it was something mm -hmm. what we, we used and never thought of it really as a weapon until, you know, I went and saw something in the, you know, movie theater when I was a kid. But, but those laws have existed. And um, as they have liked to ban things as we have more developments in the firearms industry, the same thing has happened in the knife industry. So um, when an article appeared on the first page of section B of the Wall Street Journal back in July of 2006, describing a little bitty picnic knife with an inch and a half locking blade as a deadly tactical knife, Doug, who's been in the knife industry and, and has his own line of knives he designs, 
Your husband, um, Doug Ritter. Yeah, mm -hmm. my husband, Doug Ritter, who founded Knife Rights. Um, we suddenly realized that, my gosh, there is no uh, actual grassroots owners group. And we are owners, just like firearms owners. We own these tools and we use them to, in our home, we use them at work, we use them when we go camping, when we go hunting, when we go fishing. There was no such organization for the millions. And I mean, mil who doesn't have a knife in their kitchen drawer? Mm -hmm. um, there was nobody out there. And so Doug started Knife Rights. Mm -hmm. And that was in 2006. And it's now 2021. And uh, we've filed uh, bills already for this year. Uh, our lobbyist uh, is on his way to North Dakota next week. <laughs> so we, we still have a lot of things to change and to fix. We're also working at the federal level to repeal the 1958 Federal Switchblade Act, which thank you, Hollywood, that's why it exists. James so what is Keenan. the, can you give a short summary of what the 58 Switchblade Act is? Uh, basically, uh, you cannot uh, import, you cannot uh, uh, do commerce across state lines. Um, automatics, uh, also known as, better known as switchblades. Um, although we've legalized them in many states, uh, I want to say we're up to 42 or 43. Um, Doug knows those details a little bit better than I do. Um, it is still not legal to do commerce state to state. Wow. So, yeah, uh, it, it, it's, it's just, it's been left over from 1958 and those deadly, awful sharks, jets, who are now all older than we are. And uh, from, uh, from the Ray, musical. Yeah, from the musical, thank you, Leonard Bernstein and James Dean in Hollywood, um, that's still on the books. People don't and, realize how many people that, you know, that can't use both hands. Well, and, it, yeah, right, exactly. And or, and, and, you know, frankly, I, I think Cheryl and I have said this once before, there's, I mean, I can get my chef's knife out of my knife block quicker than I can open an automatic knife. Um, and, it's again, like firearms laws, they don't make a whole lot of sense. They right. just don't. So we're working to repeal that. Um, and our bill is the Knife Owners Protection Act. It was filed again by uh, Congressman Andy Biggs of CD5 here in Arizona, because we did start a new legislative section. And, you know, we're just gonna keep working it. Um, these things don't happen overnight, as we have found with Unless, I mean, there are some things as we've seen in the past two weeks that do happen overnight. Yeah. But um, it's against our rights, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's like if you're yeah. trying to fight for your rights, <laughs> yeah, they're trying ready, to take them back. Ready, yeah. yeah, be ready to be in it for the long haul. Right. We're going to be in it for the long haul. So, well, and we're glad that you're there. And uh, I've heard you refer to uh, Knife Rights, your organization, as the second front in the defense of the second amendment and well go ahead and elaborate on that well cheryl you know you know those 27 words better than just about anybody i know i mean it, it, it must be tattooed on the inside of your eyeballs <laughs> it says arms mm -hmm. it does not say 
firearms. It says arms. And if you read the Heller decision, there are references to edged tools. Mm -hmm. And, and it is, it, it is overall something that we use in our everyday life, but should we ever need to get into a situation, it is also a tool that can be used mm -hmm. to save your life um, or the life of a loved one, um, a friend, whatever. Uh, so we, we do, uh, do get coverage under the second amendment. Mm -hmm. And we are the second front in, in addition to everybody out there in the firearms industry and all the numerous great organizations that are out there. We are also fighting for our second amendment rights. Um, and, and we're just a little bit different twist on it, but we're very much a part of that Heller decision and very much um, something that needs to be protected. And um, gosh, I just can't imagine lives without my knives. I mean, I, I, I just, I, and, but people see them as other than what we see them as, as we all also feel about our firearms. Well, it you feels know? to me like it's just any opportunity to exert control over our individual uh, behavior. Oh, it, it our is individual control. lives. Well, what was, what were the Jim Crow, Crow laws? What, you know, what were they trying to do after the civil war? It was control. It was trying to control whoever they felt shouldn't, yeah. couldn't, they, they were gonna make sure they couldn't. Well, that's not what our, the founders of our country and the writers of our constitution had in mind. Right. Absolutely. I can't believe that, you know, I mean, a person with a knife pouch or, you know, a knife that people would think, oh my gosh, he's got a weapon. He's, he's scary. It to, I guess I've just raised around everything. It's a tool. Mm -hmm. It's, it is, it, a, it is a tool. You know, it is a tool. The, but, but as we saw in New York, Danny, uh, New York city, um, and we, uh, we fought the city of New York, um, New York County, which other people know as Manhattan. We fought them in federal court for, uh, wow, uh, nine years. Um, on a uh, basically civil rights action. People were being, um, remember the old stop and frisk that they got rid yeah. of? Well, there's, a, there's knife laws in New York that make no sense to those of us in the firearms industry or in the knife industry. In New York, you have to completely conceal your knife. Well, so they couldn't stop and frisk people anymore. So what they did was if they saw a clip on the outside of your pocket, or if they saw what they thought, meaning they, the police, um, they would stop you and could be as simple as saying, do you have a knife? And honest people will go, well, yes, I have a knife. And then the police officer would say, well, can I see that? And you'd say, sure, officer, no problem. And then he'd do however many times it took for him to wrist flick that knife open. And at that point, they would charge him with violation of uh, a gravity knife and or an automatic knife. And in New York, it wasn't just like a slap on the hand. It could actually end, you would end up in jail for a year. If you had any professional licenses, you could lose those licenses. If you had priors, you'd be going back to prison. And 
when we finally got into the case and we were able to dig into this, what we found was over 70,000 people had been arrested. Mm. And of that, close to 80, 82% were people of color. Mm. And so it really was a criminal justice reform issue as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, finally, we got the governor after, on the third try, Governor uh, Cuomo, to uh, basically get rid of the gravity knife issue. And, and I mean, it, it was five years in Albany, um, just really hammering him. And we were this close to actually going to the Supreme Court this close. And finally, uh, the mayor, uh, de Blasio and Cyrus Vance, uh, Jr., the, uh, elected district attorney of New York County, uh, begging with governor Cuomo, he signed the bill and, um, that information, um, uh, is, it's a very interesting read, but they were using, um, racial profiling, they were stopping people just because they could. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and that is a direct violation of our civil rights. Sure so, um, Absolutely. And they weren't, you know, in there, there was no intent evident in their behavior no. to do anything wrong with no. the knives. No, one of, our, one of our, just yeah, one of our, yeah, one of our plaintiffs, yeah, one of our plaintiffs who was an architect was walking down the street. And he had something clipped to his pocket and the police officer asked him, is that a knife? And he said, uh, no officer. And he pulled out his Mont Blanc fountain pen, which he had had clipped to his jean pocket. And mm-hmm. then the officer said, do you have a knife? And he said, well, yes, officer, I do. And he had it completely concealed. Mm. He pulled it out. The officer was able to wrist flick it open and he was arrested. Wow. That is yeah. just so, so is it still against the law to carry a knife in a shield on the outside of your pants in yes. New York? Yes. So yes. How, how many people know that? I mean, well, you know, how many people know, travel uh, to New York? And- well, we, you know, we have a, we funny, we have an app for that. Knife Rights has an app called Legal Blade and it's free. Uh, it's on the Apple and the uh, Google Play. So we're on both the Apple and the Android platforms. And that really, we keep that up to date as laws change. Um, and, you know, just as we have publications that tell us what we have to do to travel with our firearms, the Legal Blade app allows people traveling to know what the laws are in the various states and cities. Wow. So, so that's, that's great that you do that. Yeah. But, you know, half the people in the country would not even think that they would need. A- absolutely. And, you know, in, in all the other states, if you think about it, usually it's the reverse. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. you have to carry open yeah. um, with with a knife. But in New York, they're a little different, you know. I mean, no. they're not apparently. Like so yeah. you you, yeah. Could, you could be charged with almost like a felony charge because you carry your case knife in a leather pouch on you know, say you know, your electrician or whatever and Oh, and uh, they've allowed, they they arrested electricians and and you know, tradesmen throughout the five boroughs in New York. I mean, so um, nobody was immune from this. 
Wow. So well, thank um, God you guys took up the We fight. fixed it. <laughs> yes. Wow. That is incredible. Yeah. So many yeah. people owe you a debt of gratitude that, that may not even know that knife rights exists is a thing. There you go. <laughs> and, and, and how many people don't know that our second amendment is a thing. And, and when you mentioned the 27 words, right. that's what you were referring to. And it's, it very clearly says a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear, and there's the word, arms, arms. and shall we, not be infringed. And, and yes, shall the, not the be infringed. gun rights for dummies clause that our founders realized people would try to twist and turn and they yeah. just like, you know what, here it is. Here's the gun rights for dummies shall not be infringed, period, end of story. And what shall, well, the right shall not be infringed. Right. Bear, what is it? Arms. But Arms. we automatically go firearms. Well, you know, watch movies, you know, that are of historic nature. Um, they had bayonets. Mm -hmm. What are bayonets? They had swords. They had Absolutely. daggers. They, you know, they were fighting close. Absolutely. So your, your headquarters are in Arizona, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. In Arizona, in Arizona doesn't have any restrictions for knives do they I, well yeah I, there are some restricted areas like schools mm -hmm. um the typical areas where um when when we did do uh knife law preemption we actually had pretty good laws here in arizona um but what we did not have was uh knife law preemption um which is like firearms preemption in other words individual cities could have laws that were much more restrictive than the state. Mm -hmm. So as um, we have worked for years and years to get firearms owners preemption um, throughout the country and individual states, that was one of the first things that Knife Rights uh, wanted to do. And uh, Arizona was the first state that we did do preemption in. I mean, when we started to look into this, I was thinking, oh, wow, I've been breaking the law. When I leave my home in the East Valley and drive through a couple of cities to go to our kids' home in uh, the uh, Biltmore area, because I I like to cook and I like my own knives, so I was taking my cooking knives with me to the kids' house because <gasps> every Sunday night we did dinner together, and I was yes. breaking the law. Who knew? Right. So this way I they're not here anymore but i don't have to worry about that no matter where i go in the state of arizona i am covered by one law with the exception of indian reservations mm. that is federal land mm. and automatics you still have issues with that mm. so that is another reason why we are trying to get the switchblade act repealed right. at the federal level because you know how many tribes do we have in the phoenix metro area five, six, seven, eight. I mean, I, I can't, even, I don't even know half the time when I'm driving through reservations. No, you so, can't go to one reservation. You can't go one place to another in Arizona without crossing the reservation. Without crossing, yeah. Right. Oh yeah, and absolutely. So, and so it's like of, that in many states. Yeah, mm -hmm. you kind of put uh, a thought in my proce process here because like, if I go to a school on a, for a job mm -hmm. to pick something up and I've got a knife in my pocket, mm -hmm. I've, I'm breaking the law and I didn't even know it, mm -hmm. you know, so. It's, it's that's why I'm saying get our legal blade app. It's free. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And it's really easy to use. It's user-friendly. We designed it for people to use it and to work on your cell phone. That's awesome. And what it feels like to me is this is almost like, you know, a, a bunch of laws that are written to just funnel people into the judicial system to get them on the wrong side of it. And it ruins lives. It ruins careers. It wrecks people financially. Yes. Yes. It's ridiculous. And if we include into how well, and Cheryl, we've seen that for years with firearms, you know, absolutely. the the dreaded, the dreaded New York metropolitan, you know, tri-state area. It's, it's bad. It's bad. And and we shouldn't be living like that. No, I, I agree with you. I'm sorry. No, no, I, no I'm, I'm good. That's... So we've talked a couple of times about, you mm-hmm. know, how normal, how, uh, you know, unstigmatized we thought knives were because right. like, every home has you right. know, this whole drawer full of these sharp instruments, right? right? And, you know, nobody seems to get terribly unnerved about that in general terms. Uh, yeah. Although the unless same- there's unless there's somebody who writes laws, I suppose so, right? <laughs> like, hey, how do we get a bunch of people in in trouble with the law based on this right. drawer full of sharp instruments? Right. But you know, in my home, I have two uh, grandchildren who right. visit all the time. Right at their eye level, here's this drawer full of these these sharp right. instruments, right? And they they open it themselves. They reach yeah. in. Oh yeah. And you know what they grab? They grab the spoon that they were after. They completely ignore the knives, close the drawer, and go about their business. And nobody freaks out because no. why? Because we've trained our children from the earliest ages right. how to safely and responsibly interact with those tools. Well, and, and, it's, and it's, you know, responsibility. I mean, I grew up in a home um, and my grandparents also, my, my dad was a hunter and my grandfather was a hunter. There were always firearms in their homes, but we knew that those were dads and those mm-hmm. were grandpas mm-hmm. and they had a purpose and mm-hmm. that purpose wasn't our purpose. That wasn't, that wasn't something that we, we interacted with right. and we were taught respect and responsibility. And, mm-hmm. you know, that seems to be one of the things that, you know, we're having a lot of problems with overall in, in our homes and in our communities. And, um, it, it is dependent upon parents and grandparents um, to teach this type of respect and responsibility uh, and to own it. And right. parents uh, do not do that right now. Well, well, and so freaked out and we were oh, yeah. to be afraid of, well, and, of guns. And now well, we're finding out certain knives in certain places. We're supposed to be freaked out and afraid of them. When and we first we bought our home, it. why do, why do we fall for it? Go right. Ahead, well, when we brought, when we bought our home in uh, 2004, um, the house had two small children in it. And the first thing we had to do was go around and take off all the baby locks because there were locks on every single cabinet, on every single drawer. I mean, they were everywhere. And I, and I was thinking to myself, I didn't have that. You know, my, I, when I was growing up, mm-hmm. we didn't have that. Our kids age, I don't remember any parent having that on their, mm-hmm. um, on their drawers or their cabinet 
doors. And maybe it's because uh, we didn't have so many distractions mm -hmm. and our parents interacted more with us, our grandparents interacted more with us. But, you know, that's, I'm not a sociologist, I'm not an anthropologist, but early on, you know, we were taught that these, these items had a purpose mm -hmm. and it wasn't our purpose and we did not need to right. interact with them. And as you said, Cheryl, what do kids do? They reach in the drawer, they open the drawer, they reach in and they get a spoon because they're looking to get something to eat with. And the mm -hmm. spoon is what they get. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. you know, the same thing, the way that, that I grew up as you're, you're alluding to, uh, I grew up in a household where guns were as normal and, oh, and yeah. prevalent as, you know, having a knife full of drawers. I, I mean, a, a drawer full of drawer knives. full of knives. Yeah. And, you know, not me and my three brothers. Yeah. Who, my dad was a single parent. He was gone a lot. Yeah. He wasn't there to sit there and watch over us all the time. He no. taught us what the tool was for, what the gun was for, what it was not for. Right. Never once did a household full of three rambunctious boys and myself ever get one of those no, guns and no. go play with it or use it no. for the wrong reason. No. And the, the key to it was education, familiarization, right. and, right. and the stigma, the demystification, right? right. They, were, they weren't like, Ooh, we have a, Ooh. We have a gun, right? <laughs> it was like, right. you know, do we go, Ooh, we have a chainsaw. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, do we have you know? a shovel? <laughs> <laughs> My dad probably wished we would have, you know, spent more time with the yeah, shovel. Yeah, said, oh, we have a know, shovel. Doing some yard work. Well, but... kids right. are curious. Kids are curious, right? Yes, absolutely. And if you teach a kid early that, hey, this is what this does. Now they know what it is. They don't care. Well, they move on. But well, if, yeah. if you hide it from them, if you say, oh, never go in this corner because this is where we keep the sacred well, stuff you know that you're not supposed else, to Danny? see. And you know what else? It was when we got old enough, if we wanted to go shooting, we could have gone shooting right. if we wanted, you know, I mean, it right. was, um, it was just part of our everyday life. We just didn't think of it. Yeah. And, you know, the, the shock that I had that really drove some of this home was at, at one time I wanted to do knife rights M&Ms in red, white, and blue. And I reached out to the Mars company which is the manufacturer of M&Ms. They also do Ethel M chocolates and other brands and everything. And I, I reached out to them and I put in the order and I got a, a email response saying, no, I'm sorry, we cannot do personalized M&Ms for your organization. So I called up the head of marketing and said, what do you mean you can't do? Well, knives are not celebratory. You know, they have... It, it's just, we don't feel that we should have our product being affiliated with something like knives. Now they do personalize M&Ms for Northrop Grumman uh, missile systems, missile de delivery systems, you know, all of that stuff. But somehow anything to do with knives was not celebratory. It was evil, it was nasty. And I basically said, how do you cut a birthday cake without a knife? Mm -hmm. And I just had dead air, crickets, you know, nothing. And at that point, it was like, okay, fine, thanks. And that um, is part of the cultural. It's part of the cultural. And mm -hmm. just trying to make uh, anybody that has any connection to 
firearms or knives right as somebody that that you don't want to associate with as some right. kind of fringe element in, a, in right. our world and you know the people that that forged this nation and and created uh the opportunity for us to even have a constitution and they could have never the people of today could never ever do it because we're so skittish about yeah everything. about everything we got to be sure yeah. that our neighbor and our neighbor's neighbor are okay with everything we're thinking right. and everything right. we're doing right. before we can act apparently and it's it's really unfortunate and so telling that you know something like the M&M's company has involved themselves in right. this in, in a political really in a political yeah, way I think uh-huh yeah. So, yeah. Well, really, that seems to be kind of popular these days. So, um, oh gosh, but sure this, this was a number of years ago and, and I just thought to myself, wow, you just took all the joy out of me ever having a handful of M&Ms again. Yeah. So <laughs> talk about not yeah. celebratory. Yeah. Um, I but your yeah, candy it's, isn't celebratory. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, in my case, it just is just added weight if I'm not careful. But when uh, I was a kid, we used to get candy that was shaped like a knife or a gun. How's oh that? yeah. I mean, you could you could buy it. It was right. toy gun candy. Oh, I got you. Yeah. You know, you could buy candy. Yeah. So yeah. you know, what are we doing? Well, you know, again, it's this this stuff has been such a part of our lives because they they are our tools. And the uh, the other thing I know, um, Cheryl and I have talked about Danny, and, and maybe you and I haven't talked about was was knives. When you get into the custom knife world, even the custom kitchen knife world. Mm -hmm. These things are works of art. Yes. They are mechanical marvels. I mean, they, it is truly a craft and, an, and, a, and a form of art. Right. Um, some, of these, some of these knives should, should really should be in museums. They are that amazing. Mm -hmm. I agree. And, um, you know, so there's that aspect of knives as well. There there's are so collectors, many collectors there's out people there. Uses, oh, yeah. Everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But there's that one guy that was on TV that used a knife as a weapon. And so now everybody needs to be afraid of knives. It's just yeah. crazy. The stuff yeah. that we buy into and do our little head bob. Oh, right. yeah, that's right. bad. What about right. cans of gasoline? Gasoline yeah, don't, don't go there with me. More ideas. Uh, don't, don't give them any more. Yeah, Danny, yeah. stop. But it's, it's crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. Oh, yeah. it is. So we have here in arizona since we're both arizonans a yes. huge event coming up yes it is our annual uh celebrate and protect the second amendment event right. yeah. dare we call it a rally and gasp ooh, right ooh, to call ooh, it a rally ah. or a gathering <laughs> of of people so this yeah. is going to be on saturday i February. think we ought to call it a party cheryl absolutely a party it is know, a party could we call it a peaceful protest? Can't have a party unless we you have cake. Can't have a, can't have a party unless you have cake, and you can't have cake unless you have a knife to cut it with. Oh man! There you yeah. go. Unraveled the whole thing, Dan. Thanks, Danny. So, <laughs> yeah. So on Saturday, February twentieth, on the grounds of the Arizona State Capitol, right. it is going to be a gorgeous day. I've already checked the weather. It's oh, good. Be in the mid seventies, cloudless oh. sky. Wear your sunscreen. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Ten a.m. to two p.m. We're gonna have 
speakers. We're going to have food vendors. We're going to have people selling cool yeah. stuff out there. We're going to have a junior Patriot park for the kids to Isn't enjoy. This is a family friendly, yeah. amazing event. And this year you are one of our speakers. I know. I, <laughs> you know, it, it's, um, I'm really excited. Um, I'm really looking forward to being there that day. Um, and what a, what a better thing to celebrate than, than our freedom. I mean, because this is very much our freedom. And as, as you said, do we dare call it a rally? Do we dare call it a gathering? You know, and uh, to me, it's what, what a better day, what a better way to spend your Saturday than being with um, your friends, um, people who uh, love our country, respect uh, our civil rights, respect the Bill of Rights, um, and who come together to enjoy each other's company, learn about new things, meet new people, and have a good time on a sunny Saturday in February in Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, you can't beat that. I mean, you really can't. So I agree with you 100%. Yeah. And we're yeah. so excited to, yeah. to be able to hear from uh, you on this topic of, of knife rights. And you know, in this last year, we've had huge news about um, eight and a half, at least eight and a half million brand new gun oh, owners yeah. in the nation. I don't know if that has also translated to other tools of self-defense. Well, I, like I, I can tell you it, it 2020 was a record year for knife sales. Mm. Record. See, we're not hearing yeah. that, but that doesn't surprise yeah. me. Well, you know, record year. Um, you look at AOB, American Outdoor Brands. I mean, their their business has just gone off the charts. Um, you look at the, you know, a, a lot of, keep in mind, a lot of knife companies are still family owned and they do not report results. But, but we know from our retailers and from the manufacturers, um, it's been a, it's been a record year for knife sales totally yes. just unbelievable. They've been running, the factories have been running at full, full bore uh, so the what, entire year. What, if you could leave all of these people who have mm -hmm. come to this place in their life that they, they understand, uh, you know, self-defense in a new way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether they're a first time gun owner, maybe they're a first time knife owner. Yeah. Uh, if you had one thing that you could leave them with, what what would that be? What would you impart to them? Well, you know, you know what, Cheryl, you know, the first thing, you know, being, being a firearms owner as well is, you know, safety and training, but then you also know, I play in politics a little bit. And, um, what I'd like to say to them is your vote matters. Yes. And, and, uh, it really is, uh, uh, important that when we look at a candidate, when we look at a piece of legislation, when we look at how we live our lives, to remember that your vote matters and, and you need to evaluate the entire picture. Mm -hmm. and, and for those of, of, of those people who have suddenly felt the need to have some way to protect themselves, how would you feel if that was suddenly taken away? Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, you know this the same with uh, with knives. Um, you know, as Danny said, so many people out there have to have 
additional assistance to, to even open a knife. I have rheumatoid arthritis in my hands. I'm the, I'm the poster child for an automatic uh, knife. Um, but your vote matters. Mm -hmm. And to you, you have the right and the freedom to go buy the firearm you wanted to buy. Mm -hmm. and, and, and not only is it a form of self-defense, but this is when I go back to get out there and shoot it. Mm -hmm. Go shooting, bring mm -hmm. a friend to the range, join a, a firearms club. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a member of the well-armed woman. We've been having our meetings virtually, mm -hmm. um, you know, I have lots of friends, uh, girl in a gun, uh, uh, shoot like a girl. Um, there are so many great organizations out there. Um, be involved, mm -hmm. get involved. Um, yeah, that's the nicest people and you will the, meet. Yes. There are some nasty people out there, but overall, the nicest people I know have been in the firearms industry and or the knife industry owners when we get together and have a good time and we go shooting or we look at each other's knife collection and have a great time. But, you know, your, vo your vote matters. Absolutely. I don't think I could have said that any better myself, but it did make me realize that, you know, we hear about um, firearms trainers. We have Tons right. of firearms trainers, especially here in Arizona, because we have so much, uh, oh, yeah. so many days of good weather until oh, yeah. it feels like we're standing on the face of the sun outside. Yeah. Well, <laughs> summer is coming in two weeks after the party on the 20th. Oh, so. it is. It's yeah. It's out there waiting for us. Summer, mm -hmm. beautiful summer. Mm. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> but, um, but you know, we don't often hear about, uh, are there trainers for knives? Yes, there, yes, there actually are. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are, there are self-defense courses that you can take mm -hmm. with knives. Um, you know, they're available out there on the internet. I can't tell you anybody off the top of my head, besides which I don't want to say that one is better than the other. And yeah. um, but yes, but yes, there are, there are courses out there. The other thing there are courses out there is learn how to make a knife. Ooh. Um, yeah, there are lots of fun, fun classes out there and schools, and they will teach you to forge a blade. They will teach you to sharpen it. They will teach you to put it together. The one thing that we have found about the knife community, especially the, within the custom knife makers, they love to teach their craft. They, they are very, they take great pride in what they do. And there are great, they're, you know, they're called hammerins with, you know, hammer, mm -hmm. H-A-M-M-E-R-N. Um, there are forging classes all over the country. Um, most of these people are master bladesmiths. Um, uh, and it's a great vacation. It's a, it's a great experience. Um, and I, you know, was, I've gone to a couple of them in the last few years. And again, you won't meet a nice group of people. I mean, everybody is there to learn and you have to just appreciate that these craftsmen, these, these more seasoned, experienced, those of us want to pass this trade, yeah. this way of, of making a living and or just having fun onto the next generation. 
And, you know, the same with gunsmithing. You know, we, we see that. I mean, people, they want to learn how to be a gunsmith. So, yes. That's right. And, you, you know, you can make a, you know, you could set up a shop at your home to, to make knives. And, yes. You know, to make custom knives. And I'm sure that some have started from their homes. I've seen beautiful knives. I've seen knives that were three, four, five thousand dollars. That oh yeah, and work. I've yeah, and I've seen five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, fifteen, <laughs> thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar knives. Wow. And uh, you know what? They're worth every penny of it. Yeah, they I went to a show in Las Vegas. It was the antique arm show. Oh yeah, they had a special oh, yeah, area for show. knives, uh -huh. and it's beautiful. I mean, there's just tables and tables. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, they take, and you think and about knife making's been around for millennial, right. millennium, forever and ever. I mean, right. one of the nice firearms before firearms. Yeah. One of the best shows I've ever seen on PBS was they they went back to how the the Norse, the Vikings made knives, mm -hmm. and they re replicated that process. And it was a master bladesmith here in the United States that they did the show around, and he did it the way they supposedly did it. And, right. so cool. and so cool. Sue, we're, we're, we're yeah. thankful for your organization because, you know, I mean, if well, you look back in the history of firearms, uh, there was a time that you could have a firearm. You didn't have to go register it. You didn't oh, have yeah. to go. And, you know, people made guns, all that stuff. And they slowly eroded that away from us. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, we're in that stage with knives, too. If we don't have people like you there to stop it before it really gets heavy. Then yeah, well, it, it's, it, you know, listen, knife rights is a, is a three legged stool. It's, it's, you know, Doug, my husband, Doug Ritter, Todd Rathner, our lobbyist and myself. And, you know, I, I always laugh that I'm around to make sure the guys are in the right place on the right day to testify on the right bill or be, be at the right deposition. But, um, you know, we work, we work together as a team and we, we could not do it without our members, without our donors, without our sponsors. And, um, you know, the other thing is I, I always say about knife rights is we're all about creating jobs. And uh, the more knives you can buy, the more jobs you create, and it's good for our economy as well. So, right. so how does a person join or, you know, help with the knife rights? Right. Um, well, www.kniferights.org is our website. Um, you will also find us on Facebook as Knife Rights. And we are on Instagram. So that's, that is yeah, fantastic. but go to our website. Uh, our bills that we've passed are on there, links to all of the various articles and things that have been written or done um, are on that site in one location. Are you facing um, any of the censorship that some of us in the uh, gun mm -hmm. industry feel that we are facing um, on the social well, media platforms? Uh, no, but we have all like, uh, let's say like a Smith and Wesson or a Ruger, whatever. The social media platforms have not been very friendly to anything that they consider, quote, a weapon. Mm -hmm. We can talk about advocacy things. We can request, you see, there's knife rights, the 501c4 membership organization. And then there is a Knife Rights Foundation. Mm -hmm. And the foundation is the one who is there to educate, to uh, provide, uh, we, that is the group that does the lawsuits mm -hmm. that, that is involved in all that. The foundation was the one who was involved with the lawsuit in New York and other lawsuits 
across the country. It was also the foundation that did the Legal Blade app. Mm-hmm. Now, that we get less pushback on. But knife rights in general, we have to be extremely careful on any of the social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I believe it. I do yeah. believe that. All right. And you, uh, your organization is fueled on fundraising. And I yes, know every year you have an amazing well, uh, fundraiser. Yes, it's called The Ultimate Steel. And yeah. Um, uh, hoping around first of April, we will kick it off um, with, with, with travel and everything else being so restricted. And my gosh, when was the last time we saw each other in person? And yes. we just live on opposite sides of the county. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but around the first of April. Very good. And where's that going to be? Do you have any idea where it's going to be at? Ultimate Steel is it's it's on our website. All the information is on our website. Okay. So very good. So, Fantastic. Yeah. It's Which not an in-person it? event. Okay. <laughs> right. Yes. We've been um, virtual for a long time. Yeah. Well, it works, and yeah, uh, you know, you get beautiful pictures of the items that you can, uh, you know, try to to win and spend yeah. money on, and I, I yeah. love it. So, yeah. and that is knife-rights.org. Org. Sue Ritter, thank you so Cheryl, much. Thank you to thank you. you. It's great to see you and Danny. Thank oh, you, Sue. absolutely. You and Doug, your husband, and of course Todd Rathner, the three of you out there changing the world to give us a sharper future. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks, Sue. Bye. Bye. See you at the rally. Uh huh. Yes. All right. Sometimes you just cut me up with that oh, pun that you do. You know, I, I wish people could really that. realize, I mean, if you look at, the, like I said earlier, if you look at the history of firearms mm-hmm. and how back in the 1800s and even all the way up to the 20s, 30s, the early 30s, mm-hmm. that, you know, you wanted a gun, you just went to the local hardware store and you bought, you could buy a Thompson machine gun mm-hmm. for like $25. Mm-hmm right over the counter. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? We get these stupid criminals that decide that they're going to go and rob banks and stuff. And that's even not that many, mm-hmm. but they affect the whole United States mm-hmm. because what, 40, 50 criminals that decide they're going to go, instead of taking care of those criminals, mm-hmm. they got to punish all of us. Mm-hmm. Well, you keep that in mind because knives are on the same route. Mm-hmm. There was a time you couldn't carry a knife that had s- such a long blade so you could have only a certain length blade. There was times that you couldn't have a switch. Arizona, you couldn't have a switch blade years ago, as far as I remember. At least that's what my parents told me. So, <laughs> and now you can have a gravity knife or a switch blade knife. And there's a lot of collector knives out there. There's there's World War II switch blade knives and gravity knives and uh, automatic knives from, from the army. You know, I mean, Germany had them. A lot of different uh, uh, organizations had them. So anyway, we're... If we're not careful, like we weren't careful with firearms, mm-hmm. because we should have said no right mm-hmm. at the start, mm-hmm. it could happen with knives too. Boy, it sure could. And it just always boggles my mind how we humans, we and <clears throat> you know, the citizens of whatever country, how we allow people to package an idea for us with only one way to to view it and so if they tell you that 
a switchblade knife is somehow, oh my goodness, gasp, a switchblade knife. So it can only be used for bad things? Only, period. Right. And the only person that would ever have a switchblade knife is somebody who is of, of bad character, is a fringe person, and, and is out there seeking to do harm. That's the right. only way you can think about it. Like, I just don't accept that for myself. That's not what I've taught or what we've taught our daughter or not what we're going to teach our grandchildren. But, but how many of us out there are falling for that kind of thought process? And maybe it's not just knives. Maybe it's not just guns. What other things are we allowing other people, this is just rhetorical, we're not answering it for you. What are we allowing other people to prepackage for us as I have an one. idea that there's only one way to look at it and we must accept what we're told without question and behave accordingly? I have one that was a hot topic for a while. Hmm. Video games. Mm -hmm. Video games. So instead of you managing your kids, hmm. To or what your they own can, time. Or, or your own time and watching how and what they do with video games. Mm -hmm. Well, just outlaw the ones. And here's how they start. We'll grade them first. Mm -hmm. We'll say mature audience. We'll say violent. We'll put all these things in here mm -hmm. so that later we can go, those have to go away. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we had a daughter. They had, we still have a daughter, right? They had <laughs> violent games when she was a kid, mm -hmm. you know, Grand Theft Auto, which I don't recommend, but that's, if you like it, that's, that's just not our right. cup of tea. Right. And it wasn't hers either. Right. She was but, like, this is, but this we, is a stupid way to spend my time. Right. Now the next person might feel like, no, it's, it's pure fantasy. It's just right. fun and, and never do any harm. Never. It doesn't impact their life in a negative way. No. And so what they do is they find somebody, the real fringe, right? The somebody's out there that it is negatively impacting their life. And they're not using wise sound judgment, uh, whether it's the human themselves or whether it's the, the children of parents that maybe need to be a little more clued in. And they hold them up as this is the example, right? Yeah. They're the ones. This is your future. But we have that with everything. Don't. We have that with cars, mm -hmm. people that drive cars, you're not responsible. Mm -hmm. We have people with alcohol. Mm -hmm. We have it with marijuana. We have it with everything out mm -hmm. there. There is a reason for others who want to ban it. Yeah. Just because right. they don't like how, you know. And it's the always attorney, done Mark, on some Mark, other. Who's the right? attorney we uh, I can't Mark think. J. Victor that was on Mark J. Victor mm -hmm. said it like this. And I really believe this. It really sunk in my head. If it doesn't affect me, leave it alone. Yes. You know, what your neighbor does next door in his house has no concern to me as long as it doesn't affect me or my family. Yeah. It's this crazy idea. You know what he calls it? He calls it the live and let live lifestyle. Right. Isn't that crazy? It's actually how I grew up. I was told, keep your hands to yourself. What your brother does is none of your concern until, you know, affects you, right? Until it personally affects you. And then my parents would do something about it. But anyway, we could talk about this forever. I hope that as many of you that you can come out on the day of the Celebrate and Protect Your Second Amendment Rights event. Uh, will do so because these are the conversations that we're going to have out there. We're going to meet friends that we haven't seen in a while. We're going to make new friends. 
get our, our cells filled up with, uh, you know what, the whole world hasn't gone completely crazy. Look at all of these uh, people who are still believing and working towards the principles that we inherited free of charge from people who fought, bled, starved, and died to secure those freedoms. And for those of you who can't see me, but can only hear me on the audio replay of this, I am holding up our precious and unique American constitution, which takes about an hour to read. Spend the time, please read yeah, it. Yeah, and there's people, there's people that we've elected as officials that don't understand, believe, or follow this. Yet they what are they out. doing in our office? What about that governor in, in New Jersey? Mm-hmm. It's above my pay grade to know what the constitution is about. Yeah. How is that possible? How? You tell me if you Sounds vote like he for really somebody doesn't want to keep his job for very long. If you vote, I hate to say it, if you vote for somebody that doesn't follow the constitution and believe in the constitution, then you made a mistake. Absolutely. All right. Hey, we we have to go. do need to get out of here. We want to thank our awesome guest today, yeah. Sue Ritter of Knife Rice. I want to thank all of our amazing listeners all across this nation in and other nations. If there is internet, we're finding that there are people who are hungry for the information that uh, our awesome guests bring forward, our subject matter experts that we interview on here. So thank you to our listeners all across the world, because you could be doing anything with your time. What's that show that was- you spend it with us. What's that show from when we were little kids that said, and I see Bobby, (laughs) and I see Johnny, and I see Brenda, and I see Carolyn, and I see, thank you for showing. Yes, thank you guys so much. We value you. And if you want to go back and watch the replay, you just go to gunfreedomradio.com, click the on-demand tab, and binge listen to to your your heart's heart's content, content, darling. All of the shows that we have there. If you want to see photos and bios and links to the works of all of our guests, click the guest tab and it is a tremendous resource and we don't hate it when you spend time there all right we want to impress on you like never before pray for our nation yes please hard double take pray for those that are put in positions of responsibility our leaders yes uh even the ones that maybe you don't like too much there's a lot of those but yes we still have to pray for those too uh, maybe especially for the ones you we also like could pray for the recall system the recall system yes yeah, the like system that will in. allow you to recall which they said that the newsome one mm-hmm. gavin newsome one is beyond it's going to happen right. it's it, it, they're, they're at the point where it's instead of likely not going to happen it's going to happen wow. so thanks for that. California. for that yes that's california california yep. Yep. Um, so if you are in California and you feel like maybe Gavin Newsom needs to be recalled, you might want to check into that effort. Call him up uh, and ask him what he thinks about the constitution. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, you don't even have to do that. Just look at his behavior over the last little bit and, uh, it'll tell you what he thinks about the constitution because you will know them by their fruits. All right. We have got to get out of here. Have an amazing week. Be good to each other. Bye-bye.